Chapter 4. Tragedy. On 9th February 2003, I was on holiday in the French Alps. I wanted to tackle snowboarding and woke up early, determined to learn how to jump. Struggling to keep up with the others, I thought to myself, gosh, this is hard. I just couldn't seem to keep my balance and was constantly falling over. I didn't think anything of it at the time. I just presumed that I wasn't a very good snowboarder. Nevertheless, being a gutsy guy, I wanted to give the jump a proper go, so I went for it. Picking up speed, I landed the jump but twisted my knee, so that was my trip done. For the remaining two days, I was out of action and just spent the time chilling. Frustrating, but there you go. Me and the boys just got together and photographed the occasion. Back home, my GP ran some neurological tests, which I passed without any problems. However, as she thought I'd torn my ligament, she suggested keyhole surgery on my knee to trim down the cartilage. Afterwards, I was told that my injuries would take around three months to heal. Six months later, I was still limping, so the GP sent me to a physiotherapist. As you can imagine, by now I was really regretting taking that stupid jump. When I took my seat in the reception, a 22-year-old nurse asked why I was walking like this, so I told her about the snowboarding accident. Well, she said, the way you're walking is nothing to do with your knee. Have you got anything else wrong with you? I get tired very easily, I replied, and my hand shakes when I'm doing small movements like putting coffee into a cup. The nurse asked me to walk in a straight line, which I couldn't. I'm going to write to your GP, she decided. Your symptoms are all connected. I don't know how, but they are. My GP then arranged an x-ray. I could tell from the radiographer's face that something wasn't right, but he assured me, don't worry, the doctor will explain. My GP, however, wouldn't tell me anything and referred me to Professor King, the head of neurosurgery at Salford Royal Hospital. Left completely in the dark, I went to my appointment accompanied by Mel, and by this time I was walking wide-legged. Professor King instantly told me that I showed classic signs of ataxia. Ataxia is a medical term describing poor muscle control. This explained my clumsy movements and difficulty walking and balancing. Ataxia, I learned, also affects hand coordination, speech, swallowing, and eye movements. It usually results from damage to the part of the brain which controls muscle coordination or its connections. But that wasn't all. The overall explanation for my having ataxia was utterly devastating. Professor King told me that I had a brain tumor. He tried to assure me that I was in the best possible hands, saying that he dealt with cases like mine all the time. Mel, of course, was crying, but I reassured her that everything would be okay. Amazingly, this devastating news didn't freak me out at all, and I took everything in my stride. Somehow, I just instinctively knew that I'd survive. A date for the operation was sorted then and there for six weeks' time. As we left the hospital, I found that I was still very calm. In fact, I had no fear whatsoever. But when we got into the car, Mel turned on the radio, and in a bizarre ironic twist, the first item announced on the news was that someone had died from a brain tumor. This triggered me a little, but I kept thinking that everything would be okay after I'd had the operation. Although I realized deep down that this was a very serious situation, I was determined not to let this tumor ruin my life. I had everything to live for. A beautiful girlfriend and the perfect job, I was exactly where I wanted to be in life. But something told me I had better make the most of the next six weeks before that operation. 
I took Mel on a trip to Paris, the Moulin Rouge, the Eiffel Tower, breakfast in bed. It was during this trip that I fell completely in love with her. We were intensely enjoying the moment and managed to block the upcoming operation from our minds completely. Today, these are the memories with Mel that I treasure, regardless of everything which happened to us after my operation. When I got back, I jumped straight on a flight to Brazil for a holiday with my mates. Ricky had spent a couple of years organizing it, so there was no way I was missing this. None of them, however, knew about my illness. I didn't want that news to spoil things. This holiday had to be just like all the others, only better. I wanted and needed to do everything in my power to make sure that was the case. During our first week, we went to Sao Paulo. We attended a local football match. It was a large stadium. The noise from the crowd was intoxicating. They even had pink flamingos wandering around. I honestly couldn't believe it. Bubu captured us all on the beach. You could tell that we had only just arrived as the white guys were still pasty looking. The second week, we hopped on flight to Iguazu Falls in the Amazon. The hotel was situated right in the middle of the Amazon. It was amazing. Despite everything, I went down the Amazon River and under the Iguazu waterfalls on a raft. That was an unbelievable experience. There's no possible words to completely explain the rush of a waterfall. It feels like the best shower you've ever had. The third week, hopping on to another flight, this time to Rio de Janeiro. We attended the carnival in Rio. The local gangs eyed us up, looking at our trainers, but we stood our ground. A club we visited called Help was full of girls. All you had to do was catch their eye and one of them would come over, but you'd have to pay them to hook up. Yet, despite knowing it might be my last trip with the boys, I now found all this very off-putting and I didn't feel at all well. By now I'd realized that life may never be the same again. Whereas I'd once always been last man standing, I now kept having to leave early. I had no energy whatever. We also traveled up the mountain by train to see the famous Christ the Redeemer statue. Some of the boys were still too wrecked from the night before to make that journey, but I was like a man on a mission. I knew that I had to fit in as many experiences as humanly possible. At 34, I worried that life may never be the same again. My surgery was scheduled to take place right after my trip, but there was a slight delay. As a child was in urgent need of brain surgery, they were given priority. Now, I needed to wait another two weeks. I understood, of course. This was a child, after all, but I was eager to proceed and get on with my life as soon as possible. Little did I know what lay ahead.